Thank you, Tyson. Tyson, as well as just being a favorite person in these parts, is our vice chair. Uh, chair is, is uh, Debbie Herrera, but she's out sick today. So Tyson is on deck. Thank you for that. Um, hey, so uh, this morning, uh, the, the, maybe a little more context for this. So uh, every church kind of has to have like an annual meeting. Uh, we decided some years ago it makes more sense for us to do this as part of our worship together for the most part because, I mean, really what we're doing is we're, we're talking about our life together, right? There is kind of a businessy aspect to that, but at the end of the day, this is about our lives. This is about how we are pursuing Jesus with one another. And so most of those businessy things were like, it's part of worship. So let's, let's make it part of worship. Uh, first part of that for today is we get to welcome some new members into the congregation. So if you are one of those folks who is being sworn in today as a member, you want to come on forward for us, please. So come on up, and we'll, uh, we'll put you guys right along here. Thank you so much. Excellent. Thank you so much, guys. So, um, so uh, let me say a couple words about membership for all of us here. So uh, we become a member of the body of Christ when we put our faith in Jesus and we're baptized. Right At that point, we join the larger family, the communion of saints, and, and we are, are included in Christ's body at that point. But uh, Christians uh, exist always in the context of a local community of Christians. Jesus does not call us to be solo. He doesn't call us to be isolated. He calls us to do life with others. And so when we talk about membership at life, what we're doing is we're saying that these people have discerned as they're following Jesus that this is the place and this is, this is the body of people that Jesus is calling them to do their apprenticeship to him with. So membership is not primarily a commitment to an institution, it's commitment to people. And these folks have discerned that this is the step God has them at in their journey, and we're really stoked to have you guys up here. So uh, we've got your names up here as well. So new members, we have today uh, Jeremiah and Lindsay Dobruck, Jason and Megan Eakin. We have Carla Gervais, Debola Oni. Beatrice Sweet Martinez and Daniel Sweet. So welcome, guys. So glad to have all of you. Uh, now, uh, many of you will know this, but at Life Covenant, when we talk about membership, we're talking about a commitment to both orthodoxy and orthopraxy. To right belief, that's orthodoxy, right? The historic tenets of the Christian faith as explained in the scriptures and as we see articulated in some of the early creeds and also orthopraxy. What does our life together look like? What are the practices that we commit to as a people? Uh, and uh, we express these in this way. This is our rule of life, and this is on the screen for you guys too. But this is the practices, the relationships, and the experiences that as members of life we're committed to for our own spiritual growth and our outreach to the world. And we've got seven of them here. So the first, is a commitment to, uh, to worship, to being part of Sunday worship. Uh, this is part of how we grow and also part of uh, one of the vehicles through which we reach out. Uh, commitment to a smaller group at life as well, being part of a small group or an accountability relationship, hospitality dinners, some expression of our, our more personal life together too. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, next one. Uh, to regularly engage in ministry to those who are less fortunate. So serving one another and also, in particular, serving those in the community who are in need as well is super important to us. Practicing the spiritual disciplines as a means of leaning into Christ's work. Uh, using our spiritual gifts to minister to folks both inside and outside of the body. Uh, giving, practicing radical generosity in our approach to our finances and the work of God in the kingdom. And then finally, committing ourselves to an evangelistic lifestyle, uh, being one who bears witness to Christ around us as we go. So these are the commitments that these good folks have made today. Um, as a symbol of this, we have a, a gift for you too that we'll give to you guys after here. But 
uh, a book, and then also we've, we've got a card for you in that book. And on that, there's a symbol of orthodoxy and a symbol of orthopraxy that the church has embraced since the first century. And that is uh, the Lord's Prayer as sort of a classic symbol of orthopraxy and the Apostles' Creed, a classic symbol of orthodoxy. And the reason in the early church was if you had these two things, even if you couldn't read or you didn't have access to a Bible, if you had those, that's enough to build a foundation in Christ. So um, with that, we have, uh, we have a vow for you as new members to take and for you as a church to take as well. So new members, God has made you unique and he has called you to be his child. He has also called you to live out your life in him in this place with these people. There are gifts that he has given to you that you are meant to give to others and there are gifts others have been given that they are meant to give to you. As part of your decision to commit yourself to this body, by his grace you are committing to live by the historic Christian faith as revealed in scripture and committing to a vision and a lifestyle particular to this faith community. Friends, do you commit to these things? All right. In church, will you stand? There's a corresponding commitment for you as well. Church, God has made us a community of people who are seeking to follow Jesus. As these before you commit to membership in this community, will you receive them as your brothers and sisters committing to give them a graceful space to grow into these commitments they are making today and promising to support and encourage them in this endeavor? If so, we do. All right. And let me pray. Uh, Father God, we count it such a privilege to be your children. And we count it such a joy and a privilege to be able to do this together. Thank you so much, God, for the work that you're doing in this place. Thank you for the amazing people that you bring to be part of this body. Thank you for the privilege of being able to walk together. We pray in particular for these eight before us today. God, as they make this commitment, we pray that you would strengthen them, that you would fill them with joy. God, that you would be going before them and behind them, hedging them in, protecting them. God, may they be deeply blessed as they learn to walk with Jesus in this place, to go deeper with you. And God, may all of their brothers and sisters here be blessed by what they bring to this body too. We give you thanks, God. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. And welcome, guys. Um, so I'm going to give you guys just a quick um, update on our Oh, the kids, get out of here. <laughs> Go to your class. All right, so, yeah, we're going to do just a quick um, fourth quarter financial update like we do every quarter. Uh, just showing um, sort of how we're trending and how we did actually for the entire year of um, 2023, and then actually there's going to be a more in-depth sort of like breakdown in the family meeting afterwards if you guys choose to come to that, and then we, we will also be talking about the 2024 budget and voting on that then, but right now it's just uh, looking at how we did over the entire year, um, so uh, let's see, so this red line is our, basically, our budget divided by 12 of how much, you know, each month we hope that we can bring in as a church, and that comes from primarily giving, almost all of it comes from giving, and then some of it comes from our rental income because we rent um, part of the space to another church and to a, another company. Um, so you can see our yellow line, we were sort of trending right close to the goal at the beginning of the year. Um, we started sort of fading off, which is typically sort of what happens. And usually in the last quarter, we kind of um, catch up. 
Uh, we didn't quite fully catch up this year, but in um, December, I mean, we you guys were very um, generous, and we we sort of made up a lot of the the ground we had lost. So let's go to the next slide. Um, so here you can see um, this is just the the budget of how much we are hoping to bring in each month and um, the actual giving plus rental income. And so we actually, we finished the year uh, essentially $95,000 uh, short of our, uh, our goal, our, our budget, um, which is significant. Um, so last year, actually I think you can go to the next slide. This is comparing to uh, 2022. So last year, since, the, since COVID and the pandemic, you know, it, things have dropped off, dropped, dropped off a little bit. And so last year, we ended the year sort of in a $45,000 deficit. This year, it's a little bit more. Um, and we'll address some of that in the, the financial meeting uh, later today. But that's just a picture of, um, of how we're doing. And um, let's go to the next slide. Uh, so again, if you have questions, you can talk to me or Angela when. Um, or you can come to the, the family business meeting today. Um, and that is all. All right, friends. Well, hey, this morning, um, uh, well, first, let me say, let me say thank you church just for your giving. Um, this is consistently just a very generous body of people. Uh, our numbers this year end, not my favorite. Usually we're quite close on budget. This year we're not. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not a good finish for us. On the other hand, you know, we're 20 years in. We've had three or four years like this through the years where it's like, wow, that was a big mess. And God's always faithful. So uh, the task force at hand is really just to lean in and pray, to pray that God would meet us in the midst of this. Uh, I'd invite you to pray about your part. Am I giving what I'm supposed to give? That's, uh, that's part of the equation as well. And then on the leadership end, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in part two, part of it on that end too is just making wise choices and saying, okay, what does this look like for us? Uh, amazingly, our team has put together a budget that's actually lower than last year's. Uh, that you'll see in, the, in part two, which I, I was amazed that that happened, but it did uh, as costs are going up all over. Some of you know a big part of this is over the last two years, our rent went up 26% in two years. And uh, so that, that means that about $200,000 of our budget every year just goes to keeping the lights on. Or actually, that doesn't include the lights, but you know what I mean. So that's, we're playing catch up with that as well still. And, um, and there's, there's some other factors, too, that I'll, I'll talk about actually a little bit as we talk about uh, looking back at 2023. Um, but, you know, God is super faithful. We actually, just this last week, we've, we've brought in a new renter as well, which is going to offset the cost of our children's director and all this. So God is good. Be praying, friends, and we'll, uh, we'll be excited to see how God comes through in the midst of all this. Uh, this morning, uh, so part of what we do on these annual family meeting days is we'll be doing some looking back at 2023 and then talking a little bit about 2024 and where we're going. Um, uh, with that, I want, to, I want to frame all this inside of a scripture text, uh, talk about how this might apply to where we're at as a church and where God is taking us. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a text that will be familiar to many of you. We go to it a lot when we're talking about what it means to be a church. It's Matthew 28. So let's, uh, let's pray together, and we'll look at the scriptures. Uh, Father God, uh, we thank you for your goodness, for your love to us. We thank you, God, for the ways that you are at work among us and the ways that you continue to meet us as a church. And God, even this morning, as, um, uh, as we come with financial numbers that are not the best. We pray, God, that you would be at work in that, that you would be working through your people, that you would bring the resources that we need. Uh, God, we know you are for us. We trust you in the midst of this. 
We give you thanks for this and for all things. And God, as we come to the scriptures, we pray this morning that you would enliven our hearts, that you would cause us, uh, our hearts to be good soil, uh, to receive what you would say to us this morning. And God, cause us to respond well. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, this is Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Uh, this, is, this is sort of a go-to text for us, and really for every church. It's a tidy summary of the mission that God calls every church into. And uh, if, if I was going to just kind of boil it down to one thing and say, okay, what, what is it that Jesus is saying here, and what is it that we are trying to do as a people? One way to put it would be just to say it's this, that we are, we are living in the way of Jesus. We're learning from Jesus what it means to live as his disciples, his apprentices. We're learning from him how to live in his way. Uh, I want to break that down a little further as we we look at some pieces of this text. But as we think about what we're about as God's people, first thing we might say is this, that we are a worshiping community. We're a worshiping community. Verse 16, it says, when they saw him... They worshipped him, but some doubted. Hold that last part, because this is interesting. But they saw him, and they worshipped him. And Jesus' followers, in every time, every place, every expression, they are always a worshipping community. We are always those who come to God, giving him thanks, giving him praise for who he is and what he has done. And when you think about it, like how can we not be? If what we believe about God is true, that God entered into human history, that, that in the person of Jesus, that God came into the world, that he lived a life we couldn't live, that he gave himself for our sins, that he died on a cross and rose from the grave, and he invites us into his life, then how could we not be a people who are worshiping? There is no better news in the world, friends than who God is and what it is that he has done for us. And that, that is the simplest reason for why Christians gather and always have. To worship God in song and in prayer and giving and in fellowship and word and in sacrament. To come together and to worship. And when we do, we honor God and we invite his work of forming us into his likeness. Right, that, um, uh, you know, that's part of why this year we invested in, in a part-time worship director and brought Mark on, which, um, you know, we've always as a church been super blessed to have really exceptionally gifted lay people who are able to lead us in worship. And this is the first time we've come to a place where it's like that's not really practical in this season. Those who have the gifts don't have the time and the, uh, you know, kids and careers and all of the things, but... It's, uh, it's been pretty cool having Mark, and then almost every week since we've had him, somebody comes up and high-fives me and is like, that was such a good choice. <laughs> uh, I was telling Mark this last week, I had somebody who was 16 and somebody who was 60 come to me on the same day and say, I love that guy so much. <laughs> I was like, yes, that's it. Because this is core to what we do, right? Being a worshiping people is core to what we do. And it's a, a big part of our witness in the world as well. And we'll circle back to that. But um, uh, I, I want to I point out inside of this too that being a worshiping community is not mutually exclusive from being a messy community. Right? That text again, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, this is fascinating to me. This is the last chapter of Matthew's gospel, Matthew's telling of the story of Jesus. The 11 that are worshiping him, these are 
the disciples. These are those who have been with Jesus from the beginning. They've seen everything in person, with their own eyes, touched with their own hands. They have seen lepers healed. They've seen the lame walk. They've seen the blind receive sight. They saw Jesus crucified. They have interacted with him after the resurrection. They've seen everything there is to see. And some doubted. Even as they come to worship him, some doubted. I'm fascinated by that. That there is still an aspect of struggle, even for these 11 disciples. Uh, Do you think maybe it's okay that God can handle the fact that you're still a little bit of a mess? Do you think maybe it's all right that God can deal with you coming, you being a worshiper of his and not quite having all your stuff together? Sometimes the cheese still slides off the cracker, and that's okay. Because part of being a worshiping community is accepting that there is a mess that comes with the process of us growing up in Christ as well. We're messy, but we're, we're worshipers. Uh, buddy Josh shared something with me the other day. I, I, uh, I asked him, can I share with, with the church? And he said, yeah, that would be great. But sometimes when Josh comes forward and receives communion, there will just be something on his mind, and he'll, he'll share it with me. But um, uh, the other day he came up, and uh, he says to me, Buddy, Pastor Tim, can I tell you something? I said, sure, Josh. He says, Jesus loves me very much. And then he took his bread and he dipped it in the cup and received. And I said, that's right, Josh. He loves you very much. We are worshiping people because Jesus loves you very much. And we live, first and foremost, in that reality. Second, we are a committed community. We're a people who are surrendered and committed to that surrender. Verse 19, Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them. Those who would take on the way of Jesus, those who would become his apprentices, are baptized into the faith. What does that mean? Right? I think sometimes we, we forget the significance of this. That when we talk about baptism, one of the symbolic aspects of this is, is our death. Right? Paul explains this in Romans chapter 6, that, that what it means when we're baptized is when we go into the water, it's like going with Jesus into the grave. And when we come out of the water, it's like rising with Jesus from the dead and entering into this new and eternal life, which is amazing and which is why we worship. But first you have to die, right? First, first you go into the waters. That is commitment. Christianity, friends, is not just a set of beliefs. It's not tenets that we subscribe to. It is a person that we are giving our lives over to. And that that giving is a serious, wholehearted, surrendered commitment to who Jesus is. And at their best, God's people are always a committed community. They have taken the plunge, quite literally. We are all in. We have pushed in all the chips. We are committed to him. Jesus uses this language a lot. Uh, For instance, he says, if anyone wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Right? Take up their cross. Uh, The cross, we remember, is an instrument of execution. It's It's him saying, take up your electric chair and follow me. Take up your hangman's noose. Take up your firing squad and follow me. You are committing to dying before you rise. There is a total surrendering of self. Elsewhere, Paul puts it this way. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Right? First, we say to Jesus, 
my life is now yours. And you can do, do with it what you wish. Uh, we are a, a community of folks who are committed. And this is good for us to reflect on, friends, as we think about how we hold our faith. Do we hold it as those for whom it's a convenience that we maybe access as needed in a time of crisis, a time of trouble, or maybe you're one who feels closer to God in times of comfort? Or do we come to God as those who have given our lives and whose lives are now his to live? That's two, we're a committed community. This is third. We are a learning community. Verse 20, we've baptized, and then it says, uh, Jesus says, and then teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teaching them. If baptism marks the entrance into the Christian life, then teaching the ways of Jesus, well, that marks the rest of our Christian life. Right? Sometimes we, we think of coming to a place of faith, of entering into salvation as kind of the end goal of our faith, but really that's exactly backwards. That, that is the starting place. That is, that is the, the starting blocks that we as runners put our feet against before the race begins. And from there... Well, that's, that's where so much of the goodness comes. From there, as we run the race with Jesus and we learn from him, we learn what it looks like to live in his way. That's where transformation happens. And we begin bit by bit to become different, to become more like him. Uh, there's there's a, a story, I'm, I know I've told it before, but... Uh, it said of, of David and, or excuse me, of Michelangelo and, and his statue of David. Uh, once he was asked, how did you take this block of marble and, and make this incredible, iconic uh, sculpture from it? And his answer is, is always stuck with me. He says, uh, I looked and I saw David and I took away everything that didn't look like David. This is what it means to be a learning people. God looks at us and he sees Jesus. He sees his son having died for us and risen for us. And he takes away everything that doesn't look like Jesus. Bit by bit, inch by inch, we become more and more like Christ. This is... um, I don't know. For me, sometimes this feels like the best part of the good news. Uh, I was thinking about it this week, and this is, this is something that I'm, I'm currently asking Jesus to work on in me, and that's being petty. And I was thinking, how marvelous to come to a place where I'm no longer petty about things. And do you know what I, what I mean by this? I mean, being irritated by things that are stupid. Right? Being upset by things that, that really have no weight. And a rational, objective person could just step back and go, that's stupid, that's petty, and not be bothered at all. And I, I just say, Lord, hasten the day when that's no longer a part of me, when I don't have to deal with pettiness. And, I, I mean, it's not the biggest struggle in the world, but it's kind of the thing that I'm working on with Jesus right now. And what about you? I mean, are there places in your life where you you just look and go, gosh, Jesus, hasten the day where I'm no longer angry. Hasten the day where I can forgive people easily. God, hasten the day where I don't deal with laziness. God, hasten the day, whatever it might be. Part of following Jesus, it's, it's being a learning community. Jesus is not done with us, friends. The good news is he is continuing to mold us and shape us so that we will look like him. One more here, and that's that we are a missional community. A worshiping community, a committed community, a learning community, and a missional community. Verse 18 through 20. I just want to highlight these pieces. It says, All authority... Jesus says, has been given to me. Therefore, right, it's because of that authority, therefore go 
and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And then he says, hey, I am with you always to the very end of the age. All authority, therefore go, I am with you. Those who follow Jesus are people on mission. Friends, Jesus has authorized you and I. This is what it means when he says all authority has been given to him. And therefore, go. The king has said, this world is mine. All authority in heaven on earth. There is no higher power. There is no higher authority than me. Because of that, go and make disciples. You are authorized by the king of the universe to carry out the work of God in your home, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, in all your relationships. You don't need further permission. You have been authorized by God to go. Uh, A handful of years ago, I I got to speak to a group of missionaries in Japan. And um, Japan, if you don't know, is, is one of the least Christian places on earth. It's not super openly hostile, but it's just sort of cold towards Christianity. It's, it's about 1% of the population is Christian. And I was speaking to this group of missionaries and spoke out of this text, and I, I said that. I, I, said, I said, Jesus has authorized you to be here. And one of the women just started to weep. And she said, you know, every day of my life in this place, I feel like an interloper. I'm told in a hundred different ways that I'm not welcome that I don't belong here. Uh, and it, it just it touched her heart in such a way, this reminder that she is not an interloper, that the king, the king has said, you can go, and I'm sending you to this place. Friends, hear me. The king has said, you can go. And the place where you find yourself You are not there by accident. You are not in your school by accident. You are not in your workplace by accident. You do not live in this time and place in the South Bay by accident. The king himself has placed you here, and he has authorized you to go, to carry out his purposes for this world that he loves. And maybe the best part of this Maybe the best part is that he goes with. It's not just that you have been sent by a distant God who will watch from far off and evaluate how you do. He goes into it with you. Uh, Any fellow Lord of the Rings, uh, I'll say fans, but really I mean nerds in here. Any, okay. um, So one of the things that I love about that story and why I find myself, I keep coming back to it again and again. Uh, They are living with tremendous purpose. They are on a mission, right? And they're fighting these battles along the way. It's not easy. It struggles left and right. But one of the things that I love is that the king is right there with them in it. We see Aragorn right in the thick of the battle. At all times he is in. He is not just sending folks out to do what he wants them to do. He fights alongside. And that's the image here as well. Jesus authorizes us to go. And he says, don't worry as you go, because I'm going to be there too. Jesus is here, friends. And he is with you as you are praying for those friends in your life, as you are speaking the gospel to them as you are serving those in need, Jesus is right beside you the entire time. We are a people who are on mission. uh, Most of you will know that is our primary focus in 2024. It's moving outward. It's, It's moving out. It's reaching to those around us. This is where we've been focused the last three weeks in our teaching and if, uh, if you weren't there for any of those, I encourage you to go back and listen. They're important for what God's doing in us this year. But we've just been asking the question, what does it look like 
for us to embody and speak the grace, of love, grace and love of Jesus Christ to the world around us and to live out his compassion and justice in ways that are tangible. Right? That's the question that we're living inside of this year in 2024. And I, I want to put that in a little bit of context. And so looking back a little bit at 2023, uh, you guys might remember we talked about 2023 as being a rebuild year. And I was thinking this week, I was like, gosh, I can't even say that word without giving more context for that. Rebuilding for what? And, and from what? Um, let me recap the last couple of years and, and give us a little context for why we're focused, where we're focused this year. So 2020, um, you guys remember 2020. There are a couple, <laughs> couple events went down that year. Um, so the pandemic you know, we, we made a decision pretty quick. It wasn't a difficult decision for us. How do we, how do we handle this? We, we shut down. We're like, we, we want to keep people safe. That's going to be our first responsibility, and we're going to worship online, which we'd never done. We'd, you know, we're a simple church. We'd never even thought about live streaming anything. So we figured it out on Phil's iPhone on a Thursday and then went, went online on a Sunday. We figured it, this is only going to last a few weeks. It's not a big deal. We'll get through it. But... Of course, it unfolded a little different than that. But, uh, but in 2020, really our emphasis was, was focusing inward. I mean, we kind of looked at each other as a staff and our vision team, and we're like, okay, right now the task is, is take care of the sheep, right? Where is everybody? Is everybody healthy? Um, are we in touch with everybody? Is everybody being contacted by someone? Uh, what kind of physical needs do we have that can be met? And, you know, can we scooch around with toilet paper? And, you know, you remember the great toilet paper crisis of 2020, right? Let's, let's find toilet paper and distribute toilet paper. They so didn't cover that in seminary. But, um, <laughs> but this was 2020, right? And it, it, of course, went from a few weeks into that. That was our year. And then, of course, you layer on there uh, George Floyd and everything that resulted from that and a crazy political year and storming of the Capitol. And I mean, it, I still can't believe all this really happened. It's like a fever dream. So that was 2020, right? Uh, 2021 and into 2022, as we began to regather, uh, what we discovered was we were kind of in survival mode. It's like triage. Uh, coming back together was weird and awkward right? Um, we're all social distance and had like little clusters of chairs around the room. And, and do I touch people or not touch people? Do I breathe around other people? Is that a safe thing to do? And it was this weird halting process of kind of bit by bit coming together with different comfort levels. And um, it was weird. And in the midst of that, so much of, of what we do really kind of collapsed. Uh, we we found that um, while 2020, we did a, actually a, a really good job of taking care of each other. And it sounds so weird to say because it was a horrible year, but it was kind of special, 2020. I mean, God worked through us in some marvelous ways. But, um, but as, as we kind of got back into the ship, as you will follow the analogy with me, we just found it was full of holes, taking in water all over the place. Our children's ministry had more or less collapsed. Um, we, uh, uh, gosh, our all ministry to the homeless had collapsed. The, the different things we were involved in all shut down over a pandemic. And so some of the hands-on ways that we're used to interacting with our neighbors uh, were, were not happening. Small groups, you know, we had a couple left. They were online. Some people did that. Some didn't. It, it felt like a total restart, really. And in that, too, um, and part of this was, I think, some of the disruption from 2020 and whatnot, and then other factors. But we lost a lot of people during that season. Um, and when I went back and counted it all up, we lost about 70 folks from our church, um, a third of which just up and moved away, right? That, that was a thing. People are still moving to Texas in droves. Um, but a third of which up and moved away, about a third of which left because of human sexuality. Uh, they wanted us to be more liberal than the scriptures are and we're not satisfied with, with the care that we are doing among those who are LGBT, um, as, as important as, as that is to us. Um, 
And then there's about another third that just kind of disappeared, that stopped coming to church altogether or landed in another church or what have you. But it was, it was a grip load of people, um, uh, about a third of our active roster. And um, uh, it, it was heartbreaking for me. Um, heartbreaking and almost, almost spirit-crushing, I think. If, uh, if the seminary or our denomination had called during that season and said, hey, we just want you to be full-time teaching other pastors, I, I want to say I would have said no, I'm not done here, but I would have been mighty tempted. I was, I was bleeding too. Uh, the ship was taken in water, and I know I was as well. Um, but here's the thing. God is good. I'm still here. And, uh, and you are too, for which I'm really, really thankful. Um, I'm really thankful in, in ways that I've never been before. Uh, you know, just, just like in our lives, we have seasons that are really good and we have seasons that are really hard. Churches, it's, it's the same way I've come to discover. Uh, we've had really great seasons in 20 years together and we've had really hard seasons. And this has been the hardest. And those people who stayed through the seasons and didn't say, you know, I'm, uh, this place seems to be rebuilding a little faster. I'm going to go there or, you know, whatever the case might be. God, I'm grateful. I'm so grateful. And, um, yeah, thank you, friends. Thank you for sticking through that season. 2023. Um, so 2023, we said to you, look, we've got to rebuild. We've, uh, we've plugged the holes in the boat. We're no longer taking in water. We've bailed out most of it, but now we've got to rebuild. What does it look like to rebuild the ministries we've had here? And uh, that's been the focus this last year, and in my estimation, at least, it's actually it's gone really well. It's been very strong. Uh, our children's ministry, so Lydia came in, really strengthened what was there, and we have, uh, I dare say, probably the most solid and committed group of teachers with our kids that we've, we've possibly ever had. And we're just in a really great place. It's staffed beautifully. Uh, our kids are receiving some really terrific instruction and care. I love it. I love it. I, I think the only thing we need there really is, is just to continue to add more kids. Um, there's a critical mass that's needed in kids' ministry so that uh, kind of depending on, on your age and your grade, you may or may not have many peers. For some kids right now, it's fine. It's great. For others, it's more difficult. And um, so, I, I mean, I think that's just kind of the ad that we need. But the ministry itself is, is very strong. Uh, similarly, our students. Uh, this is the one area that maybe was less of a rebuild than just continuing to strengthen what was there. Students didn't really get whacked that hard by pandemic. They kept going strong. I don't know how. But... It did, and, and our students are doing great. Uh, we've got more youth running around this place than it feels like we know what to do with. Uh, we have really good volunteer staff in that. And uh, for Cameron, this really is his wheelhouse. And part of the plan for this year is once, once we uh, hire again a part-time children's director, Cameron's going to move full-time to youth. So just focus on middle schoolers, high schoolers, nothing else which is, is right where we're at. We've got, um, I think, of our, our kind of regular kids that we see at least once a month. There's like 26, 27 Utes running around this place. And, and for the next several years, we're going to be aging up a number of kids into that group too. So it makes all kinds of sense to us to invest more heavily in that. So we're going to be shifting Cameron accordingly. Um, Sundays, just strengthening that, I already commented on Mark and just the, the gift that he's been and the importance of that decision of bringing him on. And, um, you know, and for me and others involved in Sundays, I'm always you know, working at my craft, as it were, too, and working and praying to teach the Bible with you all as best I can. Um, small groups uh, was a big rebuild. We're back up to what we need in that area. We've got seven small groups right now, and they're strong. Really, really good. And most of you are in one of those. Uh, it's such an important ministry for us as a church. And, uh, and praise God, that's, that's been rebuilt as well. 
Um, and with that too, you know, it's really interesting. Through all this, even, even like the year, year and a half that it felt like we were doing nothing but like bailing water out of the boat and plugging new holes as they appeared, God continues bringing people. You know, I, I said we, you know, we lost 70 folks. We've, we're coming close to having gained that many back during that time too, which is, is really astonishing to me. Um, that even in a, a time where I just feel like, man, we're terribly weak. God has brought people and, and they've, they've just said, okay, God has me here. This is where I'm supposed to be. And what a gift. What a gift um, you know, to, to have that. Um, part of that, too, is uh, you know, with, with giving and with our budget. Um, part of the reality is that uh, some of the folks that we've lost over the last couple of years have been people who have been longtime givers. And typically, for those who are new, it takes a year or two before your giving is at a place where it's, it's kind of regular and whatnot. And, um, so that tends to be a factor. This year in particular, part of why our budget missed so hard is we had, we had three families move away that are three of our biggest givers. And so that, you know, you end up feeling that. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it, it is just part of the reality. As we grow, giving kind of trails behind a little bit. As folks come to find this really is their home and their giving tends to follow that. And I'd invite you again, friends, just to be praying about that. What does my giving look like in this place? Uh, for me to worship God in that way, what does that look like? And am I living into that well? Uh, one more thing from 2023. Uh, we, uh, we invited all of you to be praying about us buying a building, which seems ludicrous to even be talking about in light of also talking about, man, we're having a hard time making our budget. But... Part of why we're having a hard time making budget is that our rent has gone up 26% in two years. Uh, so we are praying about what would it look like to be in a building where that's not the case? Uh, would God open a door for us to be able to invest long-term in a property that we own and where the rent doesn't keep going up and going up outside of our control? So um, keep praying for that. Uh, I. Many of you have talked to me about this this last year as you have prayed. And universally, it makes sense to everyone. I mean, to a person, everyone has said, yes, I think that is what we should be pursuing. And pray for it. Um, you know, the good news is we have $200,000 a year to put towards a mortgage. What might God do with that? Let's pray that he would open a door. And, uh, uh, yeah, as we go into our, our next years together as a church, that, that might allow us to be better stewards of, uh, of the resources that God gives to us. Well, um, 2024, as we've mentioned, uh, really our, our main task is just turning outward. It is leaning into that fourth aspect I mentioned of being a missional community. Asking the question, God, what does it look like for us to bear witness well among our neighbors and to really serve well those in need in the South Bay. Uh, to the first part of that, uh, I really want, once again, friends, just to, to call us primarily to the work of prayer. As we pray for those that God puts in our lives who are far from him, that's where we start to see things happen. Our prayer this year is that we might baptize 10. Uh, we want to see God work in us in such a way that... Uh, uh, that we're able to see folks come to faith and be able to welcome them, in, welcome them into the body in that way. Um, but praying for that. And I, oh gosh, I love this so much. I had two conversations this week with people who said, I've, I've been praying for the people on my card. And uh, this was conversation one. person says, I've been praying for the people on my card, and one of them who I haven't talked to in so long called me out of the blue and asked if I could get coffee this week. The next day... Somebody else came to me and said, I've been praying for the people on my card, and one of them called me out of the blue and asked if I could get coffee today. And I was like, wait, what? Didn't I just have this conversation? When we pray, God is faithful, and he will. He will open doors for us to bear witness to who Christ is. 
uh, on the, the front of serving the poor and the homeless in our community. Uh, so we're, we're slowly opening up some partnership with the villages. Uh, you guys are great about bringing in toiletries and needs for them in this, uh, this past month. And we're hoping to be able to develop an ongoing partnership with them. They're really open to it. Uh, they like us over there. We're just figuring out, okay, what does this look like in particular? Um, also with the schools. Uh, so pre-pandemic, we had some really wonderful ministry to homeless students in our Torrance School District. And we're looking at some ways of approaching that this year as well. Uh, more details to come. It's still in, in process, but particularly with, uh, with some of the high school students. There might be some unique opportunities to come alongside and to serve kids who are going to class every day, but they're homeless. And most of their peers don't know it, but their families are in a really tough spot. And uh, we're working on some ways to help them. Uh, one other that I'm really excited about, I was with the directors of Family Promise this past week. And uh, if, if you don't know or you don't remember, it's been a while, Family Promise, a uh, wonderful network of churches that came together to support local homeless families with minor children. Um, for several years, we were part of a rotation of churches that would have these families uh, staying here. We'd convert our Sunday school rooms into bedrooms for them, and the families would stay here, and we'd uh, provide dinner for them. And during the day, the kids would go to school, parents would go to work or go look for work. It's one of the best things we've ever done. Um, out of pandemic, all of that, that staying in churches part of it got shut down, and it's still down. But uh, here's what's coming with Family Promise. So uh, currently, they're able to house about four or five families at a time as their max. And there are 150 families on the waiting list right now to get into the program, all local. These are all in the South Bay. Uh, what can we do for them in the meantime? Well, they just got a grant to refurbish the kitchen and the shower area at their, and expand it um, at the day center that we have for them. And uh, they'll start construction on that very soon. And they're going to need a ton of volunteer help in staffing that. Uh, this is going to be a great way for us once again to have some more hands-on uh, contact, some hands-on ministry with those in need in the South Bay. And um, as valuable as it is, to give of our money and, and to give material things, we miss that. That's been a, an important part of our life together, and it's coming back around. So be praying for that um, as, we, uh, as we anticipate it. Uh, so, gosh, I, I feel like I want to open it for questions, but I won't. I'm going to do that after, um, uh, after in part two of our meeting, and you're all welcome to to stay here for that, whether you're a member of the church or not. It's open to everybody, so please stay for that if you'd like. And there's child care, too, if you're, you've got a kid that you're wondering what you'll do with during that time. Uh, but friends, all of this, I, I want us to be thinking about these things. I want us to be thinking about our life together inside of this bigger picture of what God calls us to, of living in the way of Jesus, of being a worshiping community, of being a committed community, being a learning community, and being a community that's on mission. That's why we're here. Let's pray.